Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number four, Fearless Wellness with Dr. Deb Kiley. Welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute, where we provide education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. Now, before we get started today, I want to invite you to do a few things. I'd like you to head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure that you're subscribed. And go ahead and leave us a review because that helps people find us. Secondly, I'd like you to visit npbusiness.com for today's show notes and all the resources and links that we talk about today. Now, it's my pleasure to be interviewing Dr. Deb Kiley. She's an adult nurse practitioner and a fellow in the American Association of Nurse Practitioner, among a lot of other credentials. Deb specializes both in pain management and in wellness. And while we didn't really talk about her pain management experience, I did want to mention that she recently co-authored a text on pain management. But even more than any of this, Deb, for me, has been a friend for a number of years and a longtime mentor. Now, we can all agree that 2020 has been one of the oddest years in recent history. And in this episode of the podcast, we talk about how all clinicians can practice better self-care, thus increasing their effectiveness as business owners, as clinicians, and as leaders. I encourage you to go ahead and head over to the blog at npbusiness.com where you'll find the show notes and the links to the resources that we've discussed. So Deb, we have talked many, many times about self-care. And one of the things that I maintain is that a business owner cannot be their best, a leader cannot be their best if if we're not doing self-care. And, um, you know, just to repeat what I was saying earlier before we started recording, my whole idea is, um, or, or what I've actually been sharing with my patients over the years, is that you and I are like 
a watering can. And if we have all these plants in our patio that are thriving, it's because we're watering them every single day. And when we do that, things grow, they're doing beautifully. But over time, we develop a leak here and a leak there, but we still continue watering all the plants that are doing well. But after a while, we run out of water. And so we have nothing else <coughs> left to give those plants, and those plants die. And we have nothing to give. We can't take care of our families. We can't take care of our patients. We can't take care of the people that depend on us because we haven't filled our holes. And, and to me, we do that with self-care. So you are the self-care expert. Well, well, thank you for that. I've been preaching self-care since before it was cool, I think. Um, you're so right. You're, you're so right. And we, we give and give and give, and especially as clinicians and nurses, that's in our nature to just, what can I do for you? You know, I'm bleeding over here and my arm is broken, but what can I do for you? And we forget to stop and we forget that we can care better for others if we care for ourselves. And, um, you know, I always think of the uh, saying I learned back when I was at UCLA that the best way to get a woman to do something is for herself is to tell her it will help her children. And it's true. It's true. There's lots of carryover, you know, between being a mother and being a nurse. And it's not that nursing is just mothering, not that just goes with mothering in any time, but right. it's right. It's just like just and nurse just do not belong in the same paragraph, let alone the same sentence. But but looking out for ourselves, and sometimes we're so overwhelmed, we think, well, I can't get a new bucket, or a new watering can. I can't afford the time to shop for it. I can't afford the money for it. And so since I can't get a new can, I'll just use this leaky can. And to use your metaphor, well, what if you found a way to plug up the holes one at a time? And I think 2020 has taught us, you know, that we're pretty resilient. It's yeah. been a tough year. I don't think anyone has, has escaped that. On some level, it's been tough. And it calls on us to use all of our available resources. So that if you're going to climb a big mountain, it's great if you're a normal weight with good cardiovascular endurance you're hydrated, you're nutritious, and you have the right shoes. And it's, we're learning that some of us don't have the right shoes and some of us aren't in good shape. Mm -hmm. you know? And maybe some of us are mixing metaphors too much in 2022 <laughs> and making them incomplete. But that's one of the things that is one of the best ways to plug those holes is to laugh. One, one thing, I always have an endless source of things to laugh about because I can laugh at myself. Why, what made you think that was a good idea? Okay. And, and that's very freeing because when you have a tendency to perhaps want to be a perfectionist, 
um, laughing at yourself is a little relief. Yeah. And so, so that's something. It costs nothing. And looking for things to laugh. And sometimes if you want to be angry with someone, can you laugh inside instead? It's better for your whole brain axis, I'm sure. I don't have a study for it, but that's been my experience. And, okay, let's say laughing at, at yourself is too hard. Okay. Then maybe looking for joy. And there is joy no matter where you are. You know, there's, there's the photos of people in prison looking through the window and seeing a plant coming through the um, cracks in the, in the cement or seeing a glimpse of blue sky. And if it's been really cloudy for days and days or smoky and you see blue sky and you pause, you get free endorphins from all that joy. What a great thing. And I think I admire your seeking joy. I'm guessing you're seeking joy when you take your photos of flowers. What's yeah. that like for you? Creative. I'm looking for that creative outlet. I'm looking for that otherness. It's, it's freeing. It's like you're away from the the mundane stuff of day to day, which has it's, been pretty it's a intense whole other place. Yes. Yes. And so it takes a concentrated effort to step aside from the drama and say, I'm going to do something else that gives your break a brain, a break. Mm -hmm. And then when you take the picture of the beautiful flowers, especially first thing in the morning with all the dew on them, and then I see that picture, you now create a cycle. You had the experience of seeing it, taking it, sharing it. I saw it. I say, oh, Barbara, I loved your picture. Now you're happy because you made me happy. And then if we're on Facebook, somebody else sees that, and they say, yes, I liked it too. And that sounds a little uh, simple. But it's actually pretty complicated. And it takes us to something else that we've been missing, but also coming in touch with, and that's relationships. Isolation. Isolation is just painful. It's painful. And we're learning some things. Um, I've learned that I don't like to be on Zoom for more than an hour and a half. And I prefer to be on with one person at a time. That's my, nobody asked me, but that's what I would prefer. And, but there's other ways to have relationships. You know, there's the telephone, there's texting, there's direct messaging, there's sharing memes. There's, again, finding something that's to laugh about or seeing someone on the street and smiling at them and saying, good morning just to reach out. And I'm noticing on my walks in the morning, more people seem to be walking. Um, I think because there's not as many places to go. And they also seem to be more, more connection. A more mm -hmm. hello. Good to see you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, again, you, you, there's always a secondary benefit. And 
if I'm looking for connection and I reach out to you, I can't tell you how many times I've done that with someone and they say, I am so glad you called. I needed to talk to somebody today. Yeah. Or, or you send a, a silly little meme from Instagram that, you know, just reminded you, I know some nursing students and I'll send them little things that I think can help them. And they'll say, Oh my God, your timing is perfect. And, um, so I reach out to you because I want to talk to you and you talk to me because you get something from it as well. And sometimes what you get is the satisfaction of giving. Relationships are complicated. They are. And, and I just want to touch on that, what you just said about giving. I, I think we underestimate the power of giving. Absolutely. And, and how it comes back to us many, many fold. Um, and and I, I know in some cases it seems like, oh my gosh, I am so busy. I don't have the time. But giving that little bit of time just comes back and it comes back and it comes back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, some people really are that busy. Um, but they seem to be the ones that find the time as well. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, okay, give up a couple minutes scrolling through whatever it is you choose to look at on your phone. And I would say that that's to segue, since we're on a podcast, we'll segue and put away your tech for a while. And some people take um, a 24-hour tech holiday every weekend. You know, um, mm. some um, people who who uh, practice Orthodox uh, Judaism will not use uh, any technology over Sabbath. So they don't use their phone, they don't use the internet, they don't use any of that. Uh, Dennis Prager is famous for that. And um, they swear by it. And other people who don't do it from a religious perspective, but a lot of very high-functioning Silicon Valley people will say, put it away. Take a day. Okay, a day seems really hard. Okay, how about an hour? Put your phone down and go out in the yard for an hour. And then the key is notice. Notice. Oh, something. The, the world didn't stop. You know, there wasn't a nuclear war. There was not a catastrophe that only I could solve. And I feel a little bit recharged. Yeah. And my plants are watered. <laughs> and, and so giving your brain that rest, because in 2019, we were all in sympathetic overdrive. And that was a problem. I would talk to my patients a lot, um, especially the patients with uh, pain or, or metabolic disease, that their systems were on hyper alert for whatever reason. And that is counterproductive to health. You need to find ways to turn that around. Well, to say that 2020 is hyper is uh, sympathetic overdrive on steroids, you know, yeah, I, I think we could we could all agree that we don't have to explain it at all. And so, what do you do about it? 
So slow down a little bit. Do some breathing. Because where, where we are is we're, we're trying to survive. And what if we, instead of trying to survive, we focused on thriving? What a concept. Because perspective makes all the difference in the world. If you look at it from the positive aspect of how can I thrive in this environment, you cannot control what happens. You can and must control how you respond. And, and it goes back to um, being responsive instead of reactive. It's one of the, the um, concepts that comes from being mindful. And when you meditate, your brain changes from being reactive to responsive. Meaning, if I take my fist and drive it towards your face, your reaction could be to punch me back. We know where that's going to go. If you respond and remove yourself and and have a more purposeful reaction to it where you uh, say what's going on here and you diffuse it it's going to go better it's going to go better and that's like one of the principles of of judo where you're going to not be necessarily aggressive you're going to use somebody's action against them and it's it's not a perfect metaphor but being responsive is really what makes the difference where you're looking at your environment and you're saying, how am I going to behave here? Am I going to be proactive for myself and my family and my patients and my business? Or am I going to react and run in 10 different directions at a time going nowhere? Mm -hmm. So interestingly, these self-care practices, which somebody could say, I don't have time for this. I have a business to run. I don't even want to hear the rest of what you have to say. I can understand that. But sometimes slowing down makes you go faster. True. It's yeah. real true. So, you know, for, for people, you know, just to get a little practical here, for people who say, I, I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. I can't make my brain quiet. What are some of the other things that you might recommend for them to slow down? So that's a great question. And I think the, um, the concept of mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness, which mindfulness-based stress reduction um, is, is, most people have heard of it and the seven principles of it. Um, but, and you don't have to do all seven. So if you picked one, if you were really hardcore and just couldn't, couldn't go this, you could pick one. And, um, the, the characteristics of, of uh, mindfulness are non-judging and being present and having a beginner's mind. Um, there's seven of them. But mm -hmm. just be present. Just be present for a few minutes. Yeah. And you could be present with a plant or a sky. Or if you really like your car, be present with your car. Or be present with a person which goes back to giving. Yeah. And when you're present, you slow down. And being present means being in the moment instead of thinking about where you have to be. And I think for a business owner, that's especially important. And the, the metaphor for that or the story that 
I, I learned from Thich Nhat Hanh, his teachings, is he, at his monastery, you had to earn the right to wash the dishes. Now, mind you, they're washing dishes in cold water. Okay, I'm not going to be signing up. <laughs> but, 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 but you had to be mindful of washing the dishes. You were not just getting the dishes done. And so in this instance, they wanted to please the master. But when I look at washing dishes at my house, it, it changed the way I look at washing dishes. So when I'm washing the dishes and I stop for just a second to regroup and change my perspective, it's not, I've got to get these dishes done so I can go finish my notes. I've got to get these dishes done so I can write my next blog. I'm going to get these dishes done so I can check my schedule for tomorrow. I'm, blah, 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 blah. It never ends. Right. It is never ending. So I get to stand here and I have a sink and my sink holds warm water and this water is warm and it's soapy. And I can remember that I had my, you know, I fed my family and now I'm wiping the dishes purposefully, not just to get them done and getting into the groove. It becomes almost like a dance. It doesn't take any longer, but you come out different on the other side. And that's being present and using a beginner's mind to look at something in a different way. How easy is that? And um, the other part of mindfulness while we're on that, because there's some other simple strategies to use, is judging. And I think this is really key, especially for NPs. Um, we kind of learn to judge. We're taught in nursing school, judge the heck out of everything. And we're used to being judged. Mm -hmm. And uh, letting go of judging and just let people be what they are is good for your health. And I would say that, I would suggest, that it is much easier for me to not judge you than it is for me to not judge me. Oh, isn't that true? And letting go and knowing that you're doing your best. You did not wake up this morning thinking, how can I do a half-baked job today? You're doing your best. And you can't predict what's going to happen, but you're doing your best. So give it a rest and be as kind to yourself as you are to other people. You know, the, the really gifted therapist will say, you know, when you're talking about something bad about yourself, would you say that to a friend? Would you talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself? Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be that way. And so sometimes I will just for exercise say today, I'm just going to not judge anything or anybody. And it gets easier each time I do it. But it's always easier to let go of the judging of other people's behavior than my own and my own self-talk. So practice some non-judging and notice. And that's one of the things I think that would be really a good take-home this year where we're being challenged. Because we've learned that uh, metabolic health matters. 
um, it makes me sad that it's not being discussed more. I've been screaming about it for six months, but actually six years, but who's counting? But metabolic health matters. And so each of these little things that you do will make a difference for it. But part of it is we've been taught the whole time I've been alive, do what I say and you'll be healthy. Eat this food, get that exercise, get this degree. You know, you need sleep, you don't need sleep, take estrogen, don't take estrogen, you name it. We've, we've been told what to do and we've been enculturated to follow directions. Listen to your clinician and just do what they say. And remember back in the 50s, we had ads of doctors telling people to smoke. So, um, you know. Anyway. We know how well that went. Exactly. So, so the good news and bad news is that really it's up to us. And we know this for our patients. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. And so a key part of this is noticing how things make you feel. So if you take these moments of peace for your brain, what does it feel like after? You know, do a little journal a little bit or just notice it if journaling's too hard. Or put a little video or audio note in your phone. Say, you know, when I took 10 minutes to just stroll around the park, my afternoon went much better. I work smarter, not harder. When I had a uh, double cheeseburger at lunch, my afternoon really dragged. <laughs> when I when I had um, a light salad with some protein and went for a walk, I went home early because I was done. Noticing those things, but that's personal responsibility, and we have not been really emphasizing that. So it's an interesting thing to do for, for a clinician would be to try these things one at a time and start sharing them with your patients. And you could even have a challenge. This week we're talking about sleep, and I'm going to focus my energy on getting eight hours of good sleep and I suggest you do it too. And you could blog it, you could do whatever, or you could just say it to the people that you see. I'm trying to sleep this week. And at the end of the week, I'll let you know how I feel. And I'm going to tell you something about sleep. I uh, have my Aura Ring that I've been using for years and talking about. And it is a great example of if you measure it, you can make change. Because it doesn't change my sleep, but it showed me what happened when I didn't do certain things or when I did do certain things. And I have found that if I stop eating by 5 o'clock and I um, don't sit on a monitor really late, that's not as key, and I take my uh, melatonin in a high enough dose, I will get deep sleep. And in the past week, I've had two nights where I got two hours of deep sleep. That's huge. Because the older you get, the less deep sleep you get because your melatonin's dropping. But I know that when I get deep sleep, I feel better. And my next day is better. 
So then that makes me say, okay, there's lots of reasons not to eat after five or six o'clock, right? <laughs> and when you talk about time-restricted eating, which is another way to be healthy. But, but, but getting this sleep, uh, and maybe you can't get eight hours. Maybe you really are that busy. Well, okay. But can you get some really good quality sleep? Because knocking yourself out, and I just have to say, there's lots of supplements you can take for sleep, but please don't take sleeping pills. Because uh, Matthew Walker, the guru of sleep from, uh, see, from Cal, Berkeley or Stanford, one of those two places, wrote the book, Why We Sleep. And he says, when you take a sleeping pill, you think you're sleeping, but actually all you did was hit yourself over the head with a baseball bat. So you have to help your body get to where it will sleep and let go. Which takes us to something else that you can do, <clears throat> which is breathing. And you're a guru of breathing. What do you do? What do you tell people to do? Well, one of the things I first do is um, teach them belly breathing. Because a lot of times... Um, in in my medical hypnosis practice, when I ask people to show me how they take a deep, relaxing breath, oftentimes their shoulders are up at their ears. You know, they're. I, I, I know the people listening to this can't see, but you know, they take that deep breath in, and their shoulders just come up, and they look really tense and tight. And so, teaching them really how to breathe with their belly, which I believe most of us have heard about, and I would hope practice that. But that's one of the things that I do. And then, then as I'm, well, I, I don't want to get <laughs> into the hypnosis part of it, but part of that breathing in and out is in, and actually, this goes back to when I was taking a course so that I could work as an RN in critical care. So the hospital I was at had a six-week training program. And, you know, it starts all didactic and ends up, you know, 99% clinical with, a, with, with an experienced RN. And, um, but at the end of every single day for those six weeks, we had to come back into the classroom. They had us just lay down on the floor. And basically what they did is they talked us through a guided imagery, or now I know it was actually hypnosis, but just teaching us how to breathe, how to relax. And so one of the things that I do to this day when I'm taking in that breath in my mind, I am breathing in, for me, being a coastal girl, an aqua blue. And I'm taking that blue and going down to the tips of my toes and grabbing out any red, which represents stress or tension. And I exhale it. And so that sounds like a long explanation, but it goes like that. Just being able to breathe in and out. And I love what you said 
about being present. Because the other thing that I think that breath can do is, is you can focus on that breath. Because as long as you've got that breath, everything's okay. Right. And you and- can bring yourself to that moment mm-hmm. of just, and your breath is always with you. You don't need anything external. It is always with you. Absolutely. And I love that image and the concept of closing the day by letting go of the stress. Yeah. And um, it's a gift to yourself. And it's not a waste of time. It's actually, um, it's a gift to your family too. Right? Because you're going to No play is it. And, and I find when I'm having a stressful day, some days, I have to just close the door and take two to five minutes and do a meditation or just breathe. And, you know, there's so many different ways to breathe. You can do box breathing. You can do four, seven, eight. You can do belly breathing. It doesn't matter. And again, you know, the N of one, bio-individuality. Let's remember that we're all the same and we're all very different. And so what works for you won't work for me, except I'm also a water person. So I could just, I could see that I'm so stealing it. (laughs) (laughs) And I had somebody else give me one that was picturing a ribbon of gold coming up from your toes, up your spine to your head and rinsing back out. You can just see how that can, it takes your brain to a happy place. And remember, yes. endorphins are free. You, you know, the best ones are the ones that you create for yourself. And, the right. best, and not the ones that come from following some algorithm on an uh, iPhone app, which is what those are all about, you know, triggering, giving you dopamine. Find your own. Find your own. But that breathing. There's also, um, from a business standpoint, I think something good to use, one of my favorite apps is called Cardiac Coherence on iPhone and My Cardiac Coherence on Android. And it's free on Android and it's $1.99 for iPhone. But it's a timer. And it comes from the cardiovascular literature. And it's basically timing your breath. So you breathe to a ball. Because if your brain just won't focus on its own. And it's used, again, for cardiovascular health. And it's a way for people who aren't willing to go down the road of meditating. It's just too woo-woo. Okay, just breathe with the ball. And there's good physiologic reason for it It there. Everybody has a smartphone at this point. And the dose is five minutes three times a day. Or use it when you're in trouble. And anything in between. Because, again, we're at a point where every little piece, so that will help plug up another one of those holes. Uh And I think it's also useful to know that you have things you can do to make things better. They're not going to make the world perfect, but then I don't know that that's really a good goal. It's not real achievable. certainly doesn't fall into the smart goal category. It's Uh not specific, uh not real measurable, and not so timely. So uh, using the breath from the Cardiac Coherence app or 
um, any any variation on that. And you know, the data becomes stronger and stronger about the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic and how the vagus nerve is talking to the brain. And so let's be active in our health, not so passive. And you know, if, right. if you can find the time to find a good yoga teacher or a good Tai Chi teacher, you get the bonus of moving and all of that neurological help. Mm-hmm. And, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was, just, I was just going to say this whole concept of finding time. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really ever find time. Right. You know, we, we do have to say this is a priority and just make the time to do those things. I, I know just for myself, if I wait until I have nothing else to do and, oh, my goodness, I now have time, mm-hmm. that just never comes. That's right. It, it it won't. And we're seeing the the impact of that in our metabolic health. And what's the goal here? And, you know, I think one of the things um, that that's really worth looking at is um, with related to time is we've been measuring lifespan. We like to measure things that are easy to measure. We're not so big on measuring things that are hard to measure, right? Right. So that's why some of our measures of health, you know, it's real easy to get a fasting blood sugar. Um, how useful is that in the long run? Well, there's different arguments that you can make that maybe there's other things to look at. Um, and we don't look at the quantitative soft things like how do you manage stress, which has a big impact on your blood sugar. And no, I'm not saying you shouldn't check your blood sugar, although I'd rather know your insulin than your blood sugar. But that aside, um, health span, health span is really what matters. You know, we, we look at living to what, 70, 80, 90. Do you want more years in the 90 to 95? Or would you have rather have more years from 60 to 70? Which of those years our higher quality of life. And that's where a lot of the work with the uh, biohackers is, where how do you stay young as long as possible, right? You want to die at a young age as old as possible. And, yes. and, and what is your health really? And, you know, there are some very metabolically sick 40-year-olds, and some of them are clinicians. And the good news is it doesn't, it's not too late. You can always change it and you don't have to change everything. If you're following the standard American diet and you're drinking diet soda every day, make one change and know that when you let go of that aspartame, which there's a setup in your brain that makes you want to drink that repeatedly. And when, when I used to, when I lived in California and I would drink, you know, several Diet Coke a day. I'd have one and I'd have another. And uh, a naturopath convinced me that that wasn't a good idea a few years ago. So I stopped. 
took a little while, and then I didn't miss it. But every once in a while, I want a soda. I'm a child of the 60s. I want my soda. But if I have one that has stevia in it, instead of aspartame, I'll only drink half of it. Because it's all I want. But if I drink the soda with aspartame, I'm going to drink the whole dang thing. And then probably have another one. Hmm. And that's because of the way it affects the brain. So, okay, that's one small change. If you let go of that aspartame, which is neuroinflammatory, and uh, the Alzheimer's people will tell you, you know, artificial sweeteners are not your friend, right? But you don't have to give up every pleasure. And that's it. It's all balance. And um, what did you, you had mentioned something, um, I think, when we were talking before about we're in an unbalancedness phase here. <laughs> and... 2020 is totally unbalanced. Right. It sounds like it should be balanced 2020. It really but is. But it's completely unbalanced in, I believe, almost every aspect of life. I think so. So how can you see this as an opportunity rather than a threat? I'm going to find my own personal balance. I know, you know my balance is in my core, so I'm going to make that a little stronger. And I don't have time to go to the gym and do a 40-minute or 60-minute class. But I do have time to do a 10-minute workout this morning. Just a little bit to get my muscles fired up. And remember where my balance is. And then look at my body, mind, spirit. And what am I doing to take care of that? And just do one thing. And if you keep doing these, then those little holes that are in the bottom of the watering can will start closing up yeah and you find you have more left at the end of the day and then you don't have to go for the processed food fix to make it through the evening so you win again but balance you know enough work enough play enough sleep enough rest and again you know I would hope that we would remember from this period that our bodies have been around for millennia before we had hospitals, nurses, surgeons, or even pharma. And there are systems in place. Nature, this is again from Matthew Walker, nature does not waste energy. Things happen for a reason. And so our bodies have innate systems, the immune system and other adaptation systems, to heal itself, if you can get out of your own way. And that's what we do. We keep stepping on our own foot and putting a block in there instead of looking for the possibility and opening up and say, how can I put more balance in my life? Because I'm having to retool everything. I might as well retool it in a way that works for my health. Yeah, good point. Good point. And, and put yourself first. Yeah. So as, as, you know, for clinicians, you know, clinicians themselves, period, as a whole, um, it, it's been hard to put ourselves first. I, I mean, we were, it seems like if I go back to nursing 101, many, many, many years ago, it was like, e even, even 
forget nursing 101, even though it started there. But, you know, those first jobs. Oh, what do you mean you can't work a double? Oh, what do you mean you can't come in tonight? You know, oh, yeah, I, I know you've done your 40 hours this week, but we really need somebody tonight. And we cave to those requests because, by golly, we're nurses. We're going to go in and we're going to do these things. So I think learning, learning that we learning that we have to be number one, that we are the center of our own universe, mm-hmm. I think is so important. And, and these tips that you've given about plugging our holes, I think are, are so important. So can you summarize those? We've got the breathing and... So, so starting with mind body, because I think that that actually, if you look at your ancient traditions, your Chinese, the Chinese have Tai Chi, um, yoga, and all of those, where the, the, they had such a deep understanding of the um, polyvagal system. You know, and again, just to digress a moment, uh, polyvagal theory and Stephen Porges, right? We're living in the middle of a major trauma. So everybody's vagus nerve is impacted, basically. So, okay, mind-body, some breathing, and awareness of where you are in space. Are you paying attention to your environment beyond wiping it down? Right? We, We focused on a few little things because that's what we do. And we do everything to extreme. So step back and and, and notice, you know, so the mind-body, which takes you to, are you sitting too long? How many hours are you sitting? Do you, you know, I always encourage people to set a timer on their computer, somewhere 20 to 60 minutes that goes off. And then stand up. I know, take a breath. Or... Do some squats or stretch a little bit or go get a glass of water or make sure you're drinking enough water so you have to walk to the bathroom. That's the double bonus, right? You get hydrated and you go to the bathroom and you walk. But um, this movement is, is so very important. And then find time that you are moving. Because if you look at people doing telemedicine or telehealth, um, you used to get up and walk from your desk to the room and back up and down the hallways and now you sit terrible 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 because sitting is flexed and we already have a flexed lifestyle so you want to really focus on your extension so again you know we don't have video but you want to open yourself up and look up at the sky and let your back go oh oh man maybe i need to move a little more and when you walk your muscles get to go back to where they belong um, hydrating, eating the right foods, make sure you're getting enough protein. And that's, you know, there's every diet in the world, um, arguments about whether you should be carnivore, keto, vegan, whatever. Okay. Here's here. The one that I like the best is LCHF, but it's low crap, healthy fat. And that's from Dr. Christian Assad, who's a cardiologist in McAllen, Texas. And he's hilarious. But I think that's really, you know, and it's not no crap. It's low crap. 
because some days you just want to fill in the blank. But know that when you eat it, it's wise to say, oh, you know, eating um, a package of Twizzlers doesn't feel as good as it used to. And then maybe next time you'll pick something else. But you realize how bad you used to feel when you ate that way all the time. So just, you know, kind of looking at those things and how do you really feel when you eat something and what are you feeding? What are, you know, and the old Weight Watchers story, two, two seconds on the lips, two years on the hips or something like that. You know, what are you doing to your body? What are you asking it to deal with? With that. Um, breathing, breathing, breathing. It always comes back to breathing. And sleep. And sleep you know, lack of sleep has been tied to dementia. One of my favorite stories that just tells the, tells it like it is, is we have people who brag about not needing sleep. And um, I always wished I didn't need so much sleep because I could get so much more done, right? You know, that's really a good thing. Well, two very famous people who only slept four hours a night died with dementia. Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. Now, was it because of their sleep? I don't know. But it kind of explains it. And sleep feels good. But we're out of habit. And so having a cool room and a comfortable bed and make your bedroom a sanctuary and, you know, stop it with the TV and eat earlier and take some supplements. Magnesium also, by the way, is really good for calming. And it's good for those muscles that hurt from sitting all day. And it tells your brain it's time to go to bed without making you sedated. So if you're having trouble sleeping, look at the supplements and look at melatonin because they really can make a difference if you can't get to sleep. And this is where the meditation apps can really make a difference. And I'll use these because sometimes I'll wake up and the brain just isn't going to shut off. It's not going to. I'm going to be thinking about stuff and I start amusing myself with worry, which is kind of silly. And so I've learned that um, I'll turn on my meditation app. I use uh, Insight Timer uh, right now. Uh, Calm is another one. Headspace I've used before. So you find one that works for you. But Insight Timer has some wonderful sleep-specific meditations. And so if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll plop on in my headphones, and uh, I rarely make it 10 minutes. But if I do, I got in a good meditation. So it's a win-win. But I really encourage, you know, doing anything you can to get some really good sleep. And I haven't used the uh, Apple Watch. Um, I just heard it has a timer that will wake you up at the right part of your cycle of your sleep cycle because you have a 90 minute uh, sleep cycle and um, there's various um, devices that will wake you up at the right time to feel refreshed. And I don't know how well they work, but they're intriguing. You know, if you have to get up at a certain time in the morning, which is kind of changed yeah. for people. I think a lot of that is going to, you know, as we get more into the wearable stuff, Mm-hmm you know, we'll be, be in, um, able to monitor that a little bit better. Right. Right. 
So Deb, yeah. thank you. Oh, my pleasure. For all of these these tips, and I I do hope that people um, uh, take it in advisement and and start do and and like you said, my gosh, one little thing. If people start with one thing and just even become curious about how they're doing or noticing what's different, it'll it'll go a long way because a lot of times when we do one thing and we notice, oh, I feel better. And you start doing another thing and then pretty soon another thing and another thing. So these have been wonderful tips for all of our entrepreneurs, all of our leaders, all of the clinicians out there and things that they can share with their patients as well. So before we wrap up today, mm -hmm. are there any last words of wisdom that you want to share with us? I would say to remember in the words of my uh, integrative gynecologist colleague, Yvonne Carney, you are precious and you're too precious to be treated this way, you deserve better. You deserve wellness and a long health span. This is my words. And no one can care more about you than you. And so be kind to yourself, seek some joy, and get some sleep. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I, I second, third, and fourth that sleep. That is, is big. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more from you? So my website is fearlesswellness.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Mm, I don't remember my handle. Oops. And my you, well, you know what? Don't worry about it because we're going to have the link to your website and all these resources and your social in the show notes. Perfect. That'll be below the video. Perfect. And I'm also on Facebook. Yep. Yes, you are. And Twitter. Yes, indeed. Twitter. I think you're you're big on Twitter. Well, I I find I. Uh, I use a lot of discretion and I let in what I want in and I ignore what I don't want to see. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Barb. So once again, I want to thank Deb for taking time out today to share what she has learned and what she sees as important steps for business owners, clinicians, and leaders. I invite you to leave your comments and suggestions at our blog at npbusiness.com, where you can also find the show notes, links, and resources. Once again, this is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute. I thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.